Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. What is that? That's the second time it's gone off. Never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade us of the world outside of that. That's why sport's important. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain, first captain, whatever. Thanks, folks. Thank you so much. Welcome, everyone, to a very special edition of the Second Captain's Podcast, coming to you live from the Sugar Club in Dublin where we have the honour, the great honour tonight, of launching the brilliant new book, This Is The Life, Days and Nights in the GAA, by our own Kieran Murphy. <laughs> Owen here with Ken. Hey, Ken. Owen, how are you? I know he's poured his heart and soul into this over the last couple of years. He's produced an absolute belter of a book, and I'm not just saying that because I'm contractually obliged to do so. Such is the class of the man, he even wrote me my very own personalised index, it was my bugbear that there was no index at the back of the book. For the record, I'm on pages 53, 56, 64, There's no 156, and 239. The rest of you are just going to have to read the book yourselves if you want to find your own mentions in it. Let's get him out here, everybody. Broadcaster, writer, still active GA player, and now author, Kieran Murphy! Hello. Here on. Hey there. It's, it's brilliant to be here, lads. Thanks for having me. I really well, feel like a guest on my old podcast here. It's very odd. Well, Murph, as a wise man once said, thanks for coming. Yes, uh, that was me many times. Uh, how are we doing, Owen? We're doing okay, Kieran. Congratulations on the book. Never thought I'd get a chance to ask you this, but why did you write your book? <laughs> <laughs> why did I write my book? Well, I suppose the, the whole idea of it is that like, it's, the, it's the, my own personal experience of the GAA. Uh, and it's an attempt then to make that universal. So for all the the things that that have happened to me, most of them pretty prosaic over the course of my own GA life, there is actually, I think, a market out there for a book about the 99%. So every other GA book is probably about, you know, the star intercounty player or the star manager or whatever. And, uh, you know, it's just it's just one of those things that, like, it's the life that we that so many of us lead, the most important thing in many of our lives, or one of the most important things in many of our lives. And it's actually just like, there aren't that many books about it. So that's kind of the short answer, Owen. That's the, that's the company answer, anyway. Ken, your 
your thoughts have been simmering away all week. You've been dying to get them out in the World Service. So tell us tonight, what did you make of the book? Can I just say, this is the moment I've been looking forward to most. (laughs) He's written a book about love. (laughs) The book is about love. It is. It's about love of a game, of course. Mm -hmm. But love, more than that, of family, Mm -hmm. parents, Mm -hmm. of home, community. Yes. Your fellow Gales. Yes. I, I've known you for nearly 20 years, and I actually didn't realize how deep this thing went. <laughs> I know, because... Like I, you know, and how much time you were devoting to it whenever you weren't in the same room as me. Yeah, I know. Literally all of the time that I wasn't in the same room as you, I was doing something GA-related. That's yeah. probably it. Yeah. Uh, I know. It is, and like, but see, the, the weird thing is, right, that, uh, say for you, right, you think you know, you're doing an absurd amount of stuff in the GA. Like, every GA person that reads this book is kind of going to be like, yeah, he didn't really commit himself to it, though, did he? Didn't put his weight. Like, what, you only did the travel back and forth from Dublin for, like, five years? Like, I, 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 do. I did it for 25. And, like, there are literally are people in this room who did it for 20 years, you know? I, and, I, like, there are, like, people in Sing Street who were, like, taking under nines and under 13s and under, under 17s. And, like, way more. You know, so this is kind of the weird thing that, like, for the people who aren't in it, what I did for a number of years was completely insane and, like, incomprehensible to them. Like, I married one of those people <laughs> and uh, <laughs> at work with all of with those people. Yeah. But, like, for the for GA people, it's like, well, yeah, of course you did. Like, well, you know, you, and you should be doing more. You should be doing more. Yeah. Like, there are people in Sing Street saying, well, he could take that minor team, you know? Like, what the hell is to stop? Like, he, what, what's his job? Podcasting. You have <laughs> Not even a real a job, laugh. to be fair. Imagine if you could have had a real job, you know? I am sorry for making fun of you losing the county final. So well, I should hope so. It was worse. Than, I didn't realize what, what I was doing. Mur- Murph's exact quote in the book about losing his county final is, it was the most devastating experience of my life. <laughs> and it was. Like, and again, like you, when you write something like that as well, you know, like, and I had an amazing editor of Penguin called Brendan Barrington, who's not, who doesn't come from, like, you know, sort of a steeped in the GA background. And, like, he asked the most amazing questions, most of which were, talk to me about that. <laughs> like, what do you mean when you say a f- losing a football game was the most devastating experience of your entire life? And, you know, when someone throws it back to you, it does sound a little weird. Uh, but it was. Like, it, like honestly, I, there wasn't a day that went by for probably four years afterwards where I didn't think, Holy shit, I played so badly in the one county final I'm ever going to play in. Didn't Ken send you a text that morning? Oh, he did, yeah. Yeah, so you wake up the morning of a, of a senior county final, and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like, you know, your birthday on Facebook, you know? You might get, like, four messages, and they're all from the most random people imaginable, like the most ridiculous collection of people imaginable. So I had a couple of text messages, and county final morning, you're just like, put it away. Like, I don't want to think about it, don't want to think about anything. And then, but I did see one message from Ken on my phone, and it, all it said was, I have kept an all-night vigil for you. <laughs> Which basically means Ken had been drinking all night. I, I, was, in, I was in some state watching that game. <laughs> oh, no, it was, it was over. So, yeah, and the game was live on TG Carrier as well, so Ken could actually sit there and watch me play terribly in a county final with a stinking hangover but like that was literally the only text message that i replied to at the morning of the county final because i was like this guy like bloody hell and like here's me thinking this is like the biggest day of my life and one of my best friends literally thinks it's a laugh to text me at 7 a.m to say like 
I've been drinking all night, you know. I'm a dial legend, you know. <laughs> Ken, what about community? The GA community. What did you learn about that? Well, that was the thing, you know, one of the things that struck me about the book is like how uh, different we are. Mm-hmm. Like, in, because you've got this sense of like rootedness in the community, which I don't have. Like in this in this kind of slightly obnoxious terminology, you know, of these like Brexity, um, you know, uh, political guys. Yeah. Um, I'm in anywhere, and you, <laughs> despite reading the Irish Times and wearing chinos sometimes, <laughs> are a somewhere, you know. And this to me was like, yeah, honestly, and it's not just to do with being from like a suburb in Dublin because my brother is in the GAA and he and he also has this. Mm. You know, like you talk about in the book, like the third place or like this kind of basically something to do with other people. Yeah. You know, which actually makes quite a big difference in your life, it turns out. And I realized this is actually the reason why I don't get invited to weddings. And he does. <laughs> this is this is what's missing from my life. <laughs> this is actually the last wedding Ken was at and it was his own. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's my uh, GAA playing brother there, Stephen. Yeah. And there's another healthy glale, and that's. Well, <laughs> I don't. Thankfully, I don't go to these events anymore. <laughs> mm. But yeah, like the well, the the third place is a weird thing because it was a t- um, it's a book co- by a guy called Ray Oldenburg called The Great Good Place, and it's about basically the third place means the first place is home, second place is work, and human beings need a third place, a place that isn't home, that isn't work, where you can. And it doesn't have to be a place where you agree with everyone who attends this third place. It's not a place where everyone is the same age. You don't, you're not going there for the same reason. So, you know, you, you kind of think about, it, like, why is it different to the work canteen? Why are the conversations that I have on the sideline in Dolphin Park, why are they different to the conversations I'd have at the microwave if I was working in a, you know, medium-sized company or something? And yeah, we don't have a microwave, fair enough. No, we do. Well, we do. Subtle we, shade being plugged in. But... Um, uh, yeah, and you kind of say, why is it different, you know? And I suppose if you're in a place and you're getting paid, then there is a final... It just it changes it in some way. But kind of as I say in the book, like I can rock down to Dolphin any time I like. And if the women's senior team are playing or the thirds are playing or the fourths are playing, and it's not a thing where you text people to say, oh, you know, are you going to be at the game? I'll see you there. I'm leaving the house now. See you there in 10 minutes. Are you here? Do you know, like the, like the battery of text messages you send to a friend when you're meeting them. You know, you literally just walk down there and you're going to meet someone. And if you don't know anyone, you get introduced, you know, oh, I'm the manager of the under-17s. I suppose you just, like, plug into that. There's, like, a nexus there, I suppose, that you plug into that we, I suppose, we do absolutely take for granted, you know, that, that, that idea that you can just go go somewhere. Like I, I, There's a, a story I tell in the book. So I was, went down to see Johnny McDonald and his thirds play last year, last summer, in June, uh, and it was just a beautiful June evening, so I just, I'm going to head down to the game. And Johnny introduced me to a guy called uh, Loic, who's a French guy who contacted the club on Facebook and said, listen, I've known absolutely nothing about the GA, but I'd like to come down and, and play the game and see if I enjoy it, you know? So he was down, he'd, he'd been training with the, the forts that evening. And I'm introduced to Loic here, and literally the guy, like a yard behind me, is Tom Ryan, the director general of the GA, who's the, literally the most powerful person in the GA. And I was just sitting here thinking, literally between these two people, saying, that's the third place. Like, that's what this is all about. That, like, in the eyes of Temple Oaks Saint Street, in the eyes of, like, Dolphin Park, the three of us are all the same. Like, we're all there for basically the same reason, which is 
to plug into that sort of, sort of sense of community or whatever. And just like that's kind of the magic of it. And like uh, much of the book is about kind of the things that drive me demented about the GA, but like at root, I can't get away from that either. I am delighted to say we have got our hands on some previously unseen footage of a young Murph honing his skills in front of the oh, camera. This, Here he is basking in the acclaim after leading Milltown National School to come in the Munskull glory. Here we go, here we go. receives this cup on behalf of the team. Uh, I'd like to thank all our teachers. Thank you, uh, uh, I'd like to thank Tony Murphy and Mary I'd like to thank all the parents and I'd like to thank Glenmeddy and, and the manager, Mr. Quinn, for a good, clean sporting game and three cheers for him. Hip hip! Hip hip! No way! Now, now, I may have been a, like a gigantic bog man, but tell me, tell me that wasn't more entertaining than anything Stephen Cluxton has ever come out with, please. Please. What was that? No way at the end? There's a bit no scream. Way. I think I'd just been asked to share the trophy that I'd just been presented. I was like, nah, that's, that, this is going to be mine for a number of months. That footage got me to thinking, what would that 12-year-old Kieran Murphy have said if he'd been told that one day he would realise his dream of representing his county? <laughs> Murph, when I say the, the look of disgust on your brother Paul there, who, arms folded, I think he might be about to walk out of this room. That's Kieran for the benefit of our listeners in his Dublin Masters. Yep. Where is he doing his thing in front of a massive crowd there? Part yeah, of yes. here we go, yeah. Uh, <laughs> honestly, you'd be inclined to ask, lads, have you nothing better to be doing on a Wednesday evening? But anyway, the, uh, actually, this is, so we played loud in Parnell Park uh, this, uh, this June, and it was actually a bit, it was great to play in Parnell Park, you know. But uh, I walk in anyway, and uh, the loud full back comes out, shakes me hand. And he's kind of looking at me a bit funny, you know? And I'm like, uh, you know, the game is up, happening up the other end. He's like, so how are you going this year? And he's like, I fucking knew it was you. <laughs> and uh, he says, yeah, you're, you're uh, Murph from Second Captains, aren't you? And uh, so I say the, the, the thing that I say to literally everyone who ever says that to me, he's like, well, are you a World Service member? You know? And he goes, oh, no, I, I couldn't give five euros to that cunt Ken Early. <laughs> That is, honest to God, that's literally exactly what he said. I was just like, unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. <laughs> Couldn't be listening to him. Couldn't be listening to him. Ah, <laughs> oh, Ken. Listen, you've earned us a few five-year-olds over the years as well. Yeah, exactly, you know. To, to be fair, Murph, even though they are disgusted with your wearing the Dublin jersey, or at least Paul is, you yeah. do come from... Uh, to, to say it's a GAA mad family is probably an understatement reading this book. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yes, there's me and Dad. Very cute indeed, yeah. Uh, summer of, uh, unbelievable Italian 90 knockoff jersey there, by the way, on me. But, um, yeah, so uh, my dad was... So, Mom and Dad got married in 1973, uh, had two kids in Dublin, then moved to Milltown in 1979, had two more kids down there. So, Dad landed down. Uh, Dad's from Watford originally, uh, landed down to Milltown, where my mum was from, and uh, like the question is, like, like, what do you do? You know, like he'd built a house. He was going to be there for the the long haul. So, what do you actually do to integrate yourself into the place where you're from? And uh, Dad attended the AGM that year. Asked, you know, does that, does anyone need any any help? You know, literally music to the ears of any club GA AGM. Like, oh yeah, we've got a job for you. Don't worry. 
so dad kind of volunteered himself and funny like the conversations you have when you sit down to write a book say that has bits about your own family you end up actually finding out a lot yeah. about the things you just kind of presumed to know you know so my brother was uh so brian was uh six or seven when they moved down and i just kind of presumed that dad got involved when brian started going down but dad was actually involved before even any of us were playing so within a couple of years dad had kind of taken over the under 12s and then the under 14s and then the under 16s and then the minors and it turned out that kind of for like 12 or 13 years he was in charge of all the teams in Milltown like for for that entire spectrum of time so dad was driving up to Dublin every um uh, every morning to work in Galway County Council and this like in the 1970s there was a lot of kind of foreign direct investment into Galway so like in 1971 there had been very few people maybe working commuting from Milltown to Gold, but in 1981 there was actually quite a few so everyone kind of got wind of this like blow-in who was driving up and down every day and it's like well sure he could give you a lift you know so this happened anyway and it, more and more people came so dad in the end sold his car and bought a VW minibus right so he started driving people up and down to Galway. there it is there very cool and it's like honestly it's like you know, it's, it's, it is very much back in fashion now, but you can imagine, I mean, it's a bit of an old jalopy, all right, but um, so then, so he was driving these people up and down to Galway, and then the GA club are looking at this, and I'm like, well, here, this is, this is pretty handy, isn't it? So dad ends up ma managing all these teams, uh, like, dad actually, he, he has read the entire book, he only asked me to change one thing in the book, which was a claim, a claim, this is definitely true, that 31 kids were in the back of the van. <laughs> going to a tournament at Mayo. And Dad felt that, I think there is actually a statute of limitations on like road traffic disasters. But nevertheless, he did say, if he could, yeah, I mean, it probably wasn't 31, come on. So, um, so, but there is, so this went on for like seven or eight years on the minibus. And um, it, it's such a sweet thing, right? So my two older brothers are seven and eight years older than me. And so they were bang in the middle. So that's like the exact age group. So if I meet anyone from Milltown the same age as my brothers, they'll just like, They'll say, first of all, how are you? Second of all, how's Tony? Three, do you remember the minibus? <laughs> like, there's, it's just like the sweetest thing, and like it's the sweetest memory of their, of so many of their childhoods, and it's, like, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Like, it is a, like I got a message on um, Twitter last night uh, from a guy, Niall McWalter's dad, like the best footballer dad ever managed, and or near enough, and uh, he sent me a message. He lives in Donegal now. He sent me a message last night, just going like. The minibus. Like, every time I think about it, I, I feel like crying, you know? So it's just like, it is, it's, a, it's an amazing thing, you know? Francis is here tonight with Tony, and Francis yeah. was and is equally as GA man. Oh, yeah, well, that's the thing. You don't get away with, like, crap like this unless you're married to someone who's at least as gaga on it as, uh, as mam is. So, uh, yeah, and, sh and, sh and, like, they are, t like, to this day, the pair of them are just, you know, I was home for 24 hours, uh, not last weekend, the weekend before. So the fact, that it was actually only about 22 hours. So we only got a chance to see three games, unfortunately. <laughs> so, um, so we, <laughs> it's actually a great story. Uh, Milton played, there was a double header in Team Stadium, so we went into that. So Milton beat Anna Down with five points in a row in the last five minutes to turn a two-point deficit, or three-point deficit into a two-point win. Uh, the entire village obviously decamps to the pub afterwards. We have big chats. The fullback comes in, uh, and he's a regular listener to the show, Sean Blake. He comes into the pub at around 10 o'clock. Everyone goes, Jesus, Sean, you did a great job on uh, Damien Comer there, you know? And uh, Sean Blake, absolutely straight-faced, and he was correct in what he said. He said, yeah, no, I did all right. He did get 10 points, but I did well. <laughs> 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 and the entire pub was like, yeah, you did do well, you know? 
it was only 10 points that he kicked. So, yeah. There's a lovely passage of you and your dad going in more recent years. To the, was it du- du- the Dublin Kerry semi-final yeah, last yeah, yeah. year? So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I wrote a column about it not too long ago. Um, but it was So dad took me to the 1991 uh, All-Ireland football final between Down and Meath. So we recorded a podcast. Myself and Shane Horgan were talking about it. And um, so dad tells me on the, on the Friday evening, Kieran, great news. You're going to your first All-Ireland final. And I was like, Jesus, this is unbelievable. Down and Meath, this is going to be absolutely brilliant. So... I get a, a, a lift up with dad and three of his best mates from the club. So uh, the five of us are piling into the Cusick stand and about 50 yards from the old Cusick stand, dad turns to me and says, now, I don't actually have a ticket for you. Uh, so if they don't let you in, don't be afraid to turn on the waterworks. And I'm like, dad, I don't think that's going to be a problem. I think, uh, I, think I can absolutely do that for you. He, so he, he threw me over the turnstile. We had an amazing day. Like genuinely, like, one of the, the best days of my life, you know? And then in 2022, yes, last year, uh, Galway and Derry uh, were playing on the Saturday. Uh, my nephew Enda was playing in the Ireland Fela tournament uh, uh, that day for Athenry. Uh, so mum and dad were coming up for the Fela anyway. They were never in a million years going to miss that. So we ended up going to Galway and Derry. And then I kind of went on uh, online on the Friday and I was like, I'll just see if I can get two tickets. And if I buy two tickets, maybe dad will come with me. So... As it turned out, I logged on to Ticketmaster, got like two of the best seats in the house in the Lower Hogan, and I, I, I said, Dad, listen, Dublin Kerry, like, it'll be a bit of a laugh, you know? So Dad uh, and myself set off for the Iron semi-final last year, having already been at Galway Derry the day before. But it was just the two of us, and it was just such a lovely day, like an unbelievable day. And just at the... Uh, so Sean O'Shea is lining up the last three, you know? And uh, myself and Dad are just looking at, looking at each other going like, geez, this is it. Like, this is the heart of the matter now, isn't it? You know? And it was just this amazingly, um, oh, just like a lovely, redolent thing, for, evocative thing for me, uh, kind of whatever it was, 31 years after the two of us were in Crow Park. And literally, I didn't have a seat, so I was like sitting between his legs, basically, you know, standing up because I was like that height, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I, think, I think what's so lovely about it as well is because you write about your dad's Parkinson's as well. It's a slightly different match yeah. experience for him now than it would have been. Absolutely, absolutely, you know, but like, like it's such a brilliant thing that we can still go to G. At like the end of that story about the the game, the games two week we uh, two weekends ago, it's like we went to see our nephew Enda or my nephew Enda playing in Athlone. Right, and Dad is like this little stool that he brings to the game, so if you can just like plunk it down on the sideline, and everyone just like clear out of the way for the boss, you know. You say, <laughs> so it is. It's like, uh, like the that's it. Like the 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 memories are like. And, like, for whatever reason, the, the GA brings all this out, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, you, you end up talking about, as Ken says, family and community, even though, you, you know, like, it's supposed to be about the GA, right? But, like, this is what you end up talking about. Well, that's what it is, I suppose. To help us mark this occasion tonight, as you've seen, we have brought along a couple of our favourite voices on GA, second captain's regulars, well, at least Oshin is when he's not off doing side gigs like managing Wicklow. Can you please welcome Jamie Wall and Oshin McConville? <laughs> Cheers, guys. Machine, can I start with you, please? Most. I trust you received your copy of the book in the post. I did, yeah. Really enjoyed it. Read it a couple of times. <laughs> Just it seems to be. This is literally the. F- this well, is literally the photograph I got off Oshie McConville. <laughs> Great book, the perfect size. That's literally the text message. 
It has many uses, the book. That's what I really like about it. I should say, by the way, straight off the bat here, Jamie is coming along. And as we know, this, this is about club football, really, more than the inter-county scene. Jamie has had a bit of a heartbreaking defeat at the weekend and may not be in the best frame of mind to talk about the joys of club football, Jamie. Uh, cl- well, club hurling, yeah, but... Uh, hurling, I should say, in your case. My own, my own club, we were beaten on penalties after extra time in the quarterfinal of the county there on Sunday. So. Oh, now, did you... Uh, of course, it's a lottery. Did you prepare your players for the possibility of penalties? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we were kind of, like, going on the whole, if you don't want it to get to penalties, don't let it get to penalties thing, and then it went to penalties, you were saying... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should have prepared for penalties. <laughs> he sent me a screen grab of the, the front page of the book. This is the life. Pain and despair in the GEA. Mark, uh, it, was, it was actually the captain of, uh, of our team sent that to me this morning. <laughs> All right. He just okay. said, uh, if your boy Murph was from where we're from, this would be the new, this would be next year's <laughs> book. So. For the purpose uh, of tonight, Jamie, I need you to just reimagine that you won that penalty shootout and you're all happy and you're into the next the round of the championship. Love the, love the GA, especially club. Oshin, what did you like about the book? Say something nice about <laughs> I d- Just like you can, uh, when you come from where I come from, I suppose you can relate you can relate to a lot of what I said. I was saying to Morph that there was so much, um, our lives growing up was, were so alike, but yet a lot of what we went through was so different. And uh, the, the chapter that I liked most in it was in reference to Jill. And when Jill comes into the picture and, and, uh, and you wonder, like other people, like my wife, is exactly the same as Jill. She has fucking zero interest in football, which makes life qu- quite difficult at times. Um, whenever you see you're going to an under-14 game on a Tuesday evening in fucking Lorgan or something, and uh, <laughs> everything's all over the place, the kids are going running wild and all, you're heading off to an under-14 game. But, but um, I like that because I, I think Morph was having a bit of a tussle with himself as to... You know, is this really worthwhile? Is this really what I want to do with my life? But you just can't keep away. You can't once you get into it. Like you just, you, it's almost like you can't get out of it. And um, that's, no, that doesn't sound that positive. It, sounds like it, a, <laughs> it, it honestly sounds like a cult, is what it sounds like, Oshin. I was going to say it sounds like diarrhea, but uh, <laughs> but there's a ceasefire on. Relax. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna start chanting or anything. But um. But but I just think I just think that that's a tussle that a lot of GA people have with themselves. You know, as in like when I stopped playing football, genuinely, I turned to my wife and I said, "I cannot wait for the next ten years of my life because there's so many things that I didn't do during that time." And I think Morph was the same when I was reading it, and I was, and then you think I'm going to go on this great voyage, I'm going to travel, I'm going to do. About three weeks later, you're going. I wonder, could I get involved in the team somewhere? <laughs> And I think that's that's the beauty about what Morph was writing about. And to be honest, it's about time somebody wrote wrote about it because it is it's a very special thing to be involved in. Uh, I think probably that like interrogation of why you do it, like that's that's kind of that's the whole idea of the book, basically. That you're kind of like you have to kind of ask yourself sometimes, you know, like why are you doing it? And sometimes you don't want to do it because maybe the answer is going to like annoy you or depress you. Um, but I think maybe when you get to 40 and 41 now, right? 40 when I was writing the book, and you're just sitting there going, like, it's the highlight of my week still training. You know what I mean? So, like, you can kind of... There, a lot of it obviously is, like, a fetishization nearly of suffering. You know, that, like, if you if you watch a club game on TG Carr, right? Pound to a penny. Uh, 
inter- uh, the man of the match is interviewed after the game, you know. Uh, and so, like, what's it like, you know? So you've won a county final for the first time in eighty-seven years, and uh, you know this. You must be pretty happy with yourself. And for, like the first three things out of his mouth would be, well, everyone wrote us off. Um, uh, the lads in the media didn't believe in us. But our own people didn't even believe in us. And then, well, we only First won. Word as well. Yeah, of yeah, course. Definitely obviously. a swear. Yeah, well, the blood is up, of course. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, and then the third thing will be, and you know, well, we trained harder than absolutely everyone else. You know, and like, like it's just re- really weird, like negative spin on what should be like literally the happiest day of your life. You know, like this is the thing that you've been training for, working for, and yet it's just like this. It's couched always negatively, as in. If you win, it's only because you suffered more than everyone else. And I, 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 like, at root, I do not believe that for a second, you know? Because, like, see the lads from Kilku, right? They're great lads to, like, be talking about how hard they train, how much they suffer. Like, you know, they, like, they've, they've all kind of said, oh, well, if the clubs in town want to beat us, you know, they have to train harder, you know? And then Glenn beat them in that, Glenn of Derry beat them in this, like, one of the most ridiculous games of football I've ever seen last November, where, like, all perspective had been lost. Like, everyone in Armagh that day had completely lost their minds. Like, crowd, footballers, management, the whole lot. And I would have just loved, you know, if someone had interviewed the Kilku lads and just said, well, you know, you should have just trained harder, you know? <laughs> like, what, why didn't you just care a little? If you'd cared a little more, then, judging by what you said, like, for the last three years, you'd have won the game. I, I do actually believe them, though, that they are fucking miserable. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> but just, just to crystallise this, by the way, because uh, rather than talking too vaguely about the sacrifices and the things you do. There's a story in in the book where you are at a festival, a music festival in the UK. Yes. With Jill, you leave you leave her there. Yeah. To go back to get a flight back to Galway with Jedward for some reason. Let's just throw yeah, in yeah. there. A little name drop there by Murph. Um, to get back to be collected by Tony and Francis to get back to Milltown for a match that night which you stand on the bench for most of, or yeah. stand on the sideline, I should say, and eventually come on, I think possibly lose the game. Yeah, this yeah. is the levels that we're talking about here. Uh, yes, that is obviously insane. Like, there's no, like, there's no, like, there's, I can't say anything in my own defense about that, right? But if you ask Ushin McConville, say, club manager for the last three years, or Jamie Wall, club manager currently, right? What would they say about me? It's like, I can't believe... It was fucking ridiculous that you He went, went to the f- music festival. Not that I left the music festival and my girlfriend, now wife, to, like, literally take down the tent, carry the tent by herself back to London, like, having spent the day by herself in this music festival and then, like, head back into London. It's like, this is, like... See, this is where the juxtaposition happens, you know? The GA people that read this book are like, what is he doing going to the music festival? Like? Does he... Does he not know there's a club championship game? And everyone else then will be like, this man is a monster. Like, genuinely, like, an uncaring pig, you know? So, like, I, like that's kind of, like, that story was obviously, like, you kind of play it for last, because I did honestly uh, get a flight from uh, Gatwick to Dublin, and it was when Galway Airport was open at the time. I, went, I walked from Dublin, or walked from the gate to the Air Iron Gate that would get me a flight to Galway Airport. I was literally the only person there up until two minutes beforehand, and then fucking Jedward walk along. And they sit right beside me. It's like, it's me and Jedward on this flight. Jesus Christ. And you know, like, you're kind of like, and obviously, like, I'd had a couple of vodkas the night before. Like, not pints, obviously, because that, be, that would have been unprofessional, you know. I was sleeping in a tent for three days. Uh, you know, I haven't, haven't eaten properly. But I'm like, I shouldn't have a pint now, you know, but I will have a vodka. Like, what am I, like, what am I even thinking, you know? But, um, and I was just like looking at this going, this is, 
absurd. Like, this is genuinely absurd. I mean, that basically retired me from club football, to be honest, but that's neither here nor there. But that reaction that you talk about, say, from club management for even being away, that's something that taps into what you said, Ken, and Murph quotes you on this. The emotional blackmail, which is basically the central ten of GAA, according to you. Would you like to tell all these the GAA people here your theory? Well, is it not? I mean, it's just like that's what, what's what you've just been talking about. I mean, that's that's the fuel. I mean, how else do you get all these people to do all this stuff? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's about you know. I feel like he might be right. I think the emotional blackmail is more framed around l- leaving a club, though, and in, in Murph's case, playing for a number of other clubs. Um, it, 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 sampling a lot of different cultures on. It's one way of saying it. Is that there in those sort of scenarios, this idea of one club? No matter what, even if life gets in the way, you're still supposed to be bound forever to this one club. Um, yeah, I, I think, like, even just, like, reading your story, Murph, like, I think your move to Tempelog was a pretty positive one. And, I, you know, like, at that stage of your life and that, like, a fair enough one, I think that most... GA people could probably get on board with. Yeah. Not so sure about the other one. No, I mean. Um, and like, you know, if people will read about it in the story. I think you know yourself, like even reading that one, that the move to Vincent's was probably couched in, in different kind of feelings and that, and that probably sits a bit differently with GA people. Like I think, you know, obviously there's been a couple of high profile transfers in the last 12 months um, that have gotten plenty talk, do you know? Um, and I suppose it's it's that every transfer is a very different thing, and it's a lot of kind of like a lot of the time your reason for leaving is possibly more important than the leaving or not, you know. And and I think like it, within the GA, like it's a case of like uh, it's it's uh, again it sounds terrible, like but if you're leaving for glory, it's looked on very differently to somebody who maybe is at a different stage of their career when they moved. Like like I think it'd be uh, when you moved to Temple Oak Sing Street, you were no longer probably the most important player in the, or one of the most important players <laughs> in the Milltown team. I think that would be fair. Okay. I mean, I literally hadn't played senior football for four, five years, I think, at that stage, yes. Exactly. So I suppose that is generally looked at very differently by people, no matter how deranged it might sound. But, like, you know, your best player leaving a place, you know, when it's a kind of an organization that's quite happy to make allowances, we'll say, for guys and, and that, like, it... Uh, you know, like, like, look, like you played for Galway, so like, I think, I think you're a bit unkind to yourself reading the book. Just to make a point, that I think you, you dress down your achievements and ability in the sport. Like, you're quite clearly a very good player. Like, that's a under twenty one Connacht final against Mayo at Murphy's in the two thousand action against. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, like, do you think I got too big? Was I maybe put up too much weight up top? Maybe. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Talk about filling that. You know, those jerseys are baggy, but it looks particularly baggy on me there, I think, to be fair. So, like, basically, it's a long-winded answer, like, one of, like, I, I think the circumstances dictate it all, like, and, like, you know, when somebody makes a, a move later on in life to maybe, like, you know, the Tony Murphy move of, like, he's moved to a new place and it's a, it's a fitting-in thing, that's very, much, that's very much the most GA thing in the whole world, you know? But it's very different when a young fella who's working up in Dublin or wherever makes a move to a big club, do you know, like, and, and that's, I'm talking about you, by the way, not the Yeah, yeah, of course. No, no and, but I mean, it's absolutely true, you know, and again, it's one of those situations where, you know, my editor is asking me, like, why do you feel so guilty about it, you know, and I do, I do feel guilty about, like, moving to, so I moved to Vincent's in 2006, and I hadn't played senior football for Milton for the previous two years, and I just kind of, it, it kind of goes back to that idea that, like, you don't know how rooted in a community you actually are until it's kind of until you actually have to face it you know and so like I moved to Vincent's and 
it just didn't work because we were in news talk anyway and I was like I couldn't train during the week it was like just it, and I just kind of I just kind of thought oh I, like I haven't played for the last two years no one's even going to care you know what I mean no one like you know I just go for it it might suit me a little better and then the more you and then as the year went on it was like it didn't it you know it, it didn't work out on the field and then also by the Christmas of 2006 I was like I just shouldn't have done it, you know, but you just get blasé about it. And then all of a sudden you're, uh, you know, you, you, you actually have to ask yourself the question, like, what does it mean to be from a place? And then kind of from that, like we reached the county final the following year and lost by a couple of points to Porrick Joyce's Killer Aaron. And, but it was still like the most like incredibly emotional summer of my life. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's one thing for Cross McGlenn to reach county finals, like kind of year on year, but like we hadn't been on a, in a county final in 20 years and to be f- like, from a village the, the size of Milton, which is very small, reaching a county final and to like try and bear the emotional pitch of all that, it was. It's still like it's you know it's it's still all the the weeks beforehand still kind of like burned in my memory as this thing like Jesus and like you know the sports psychologists say you know don't don't spend too much time thinking about what it would be like to win you know and I'm just there for like four weeks like oh my god like. Wouldn't it be amazing if we won? The, you know, like it, and then it turns out in the county final day, for some reason I felt a little nervous, maybe a little overwhelmed. I wonder why that was, you know, but anyway. Oshin, I'd imagine the one club philosophy is taken quite seriously in Cross McLean. <laughs> I think we might have had this conversation before. And when I got back home, uh, I was investigated <laughs> by, by a couple of people who uh, <laughs> who asked me what exactly I meant. But uh, there was a little gag, a little gag about valuing your your both your knees, I believe, at <laughs> Liberty Hall last year. Yeah, no, I think we were talking to Shane Walsh at the time, and, and yeah. I think you asked me uh, had I ever contemplated it, and I said no. I, from a very early age, I've become very attached to my knees, so <laughs> uh, that's sort of. I sort of answered that question, but I think uh, <laughs> can I go back on what on what Jamie said about about Morph being a very talented player because he doesn't downplay that in real life, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was reading this, I was like, hang, hang on, he was he's kind of coming on for the last fifteen minutes. I, I thought he was running this team. <laughs> <laughs> now, I only had your word, what you were saying to go on, you know. But I, now I, I was like, that's why he didn't want me to talk about it on the podcast. He's like, oh, maybe just you know. Don't talk. No, that's uh, modesty, uh, Ken. Don't it's, talk it's, about it's something you're unfamiliar <laughs> with, I know, but. <laughs> Sorry, Oshin. He was a good player. I like that. Um, but how good he was, and if you ever read like a GA autobiography, they'll all tell you how good they are, and then they'll take a little bit away from it. Mm. And that's another aspect of the GA, because nobody gets above themselves within the GA. Like, there's nobody going to come out saying, I am the man, or anything like that, because... Great accent. Yeah, it's just... Oshin's just back from Philadelphia, by the way, after a few days away. You wouldn't have guessed. Uh, but, yeah, you see, you don't get above your station, and I think that comes across in the, in the, in the book as well. Uh, and another, another favourite of mine that I never knew was, was this time working in the shop, in uh, the clothes shop in... Uh, oh, yeah, the Jaff Allen, are owned Jeff by the Fallon family. Fallon's brothers. Yeah. Yeah, that, and how obsessed you were with Jaff Allen, like it was. Well, oh. it, it was a little weird there for <clears throat> twenty-five years or so, but uh, <laughs> it was a little bit weird for twenty-five pages. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> it's actually it's weird, right? Because Dad is clearing out all of our old uh, pro, all the old programs around the house. You can imagine there's a few floating around the place, and uh, they're so they're left in my old bedroom at the moment. So I was like flicking through them the last time I was home, and I found the program to the 1992 Under 21 All Ireland Final. So. While Dad was managing all these teams, he was also a selector on the Galway Under-21 team, right? And uh, they reached an Iron Final in 1992. Peter Canavan beat them uh, on his own, basically. Uh, but I had gone around asking all the players. So, like, the, there's, like, all the autographs of the, the Galway players are on the programme. But, like, Jazz there as well. I, I was like, even 10-year-old Kieran was like, I'll ask everyone else, but this is just to get Jazz <laughs> autograph, which I did, which I promptly did. Well, they say nothing beats being there, Murph. And in fairness to you, you're always there. That uh, is here I am there, yeah. Dr. Hyperac. Can we get a close-up there? Just Murph's gormless face. <laughs> that was when the water started dripping down the old... Uh, the butt cheeks. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Uh, that was... Uh, uh, that's my brother Paul there beside me. He looks like the lead character from Up. He's, <laughs> he's, he's not 78 years old, by the way. But uh, <laughs> we, had the, we had the most unbelievable day that day at Roscommon. So I, um, I mean, I don't think we need to run through the entire... But basically, I woke up in Dublin, sun beating off the stones in Dublin 8. I was like, grand, on we go. A little old summery old orange jacket there. Put, put that in the back of the boot. We wouldn't need that. Uh, got down to Roscommon about half an hour before the game starts. We're parked, just parking up. And uh, the heavens absolutely open for 10 minutes, like, like a car wash. Unbelievable. Then it stops and we're like, geez, there's the rain gone now. Thank Christ for that. Devin Paul get out. Uh, like 15 minutes or like maybe 10 minutes to go before the game starts. Sun absolutely, like, again, like pouring down. So I'm like, didn't put any sun cream on. Unbelievable. Five minutes into the game, the rain starts. It literally does not stop for like an hour and a half. I've never experienced rain like it in my life. And uh, so I'm, I'm sitting there watching the game and... Uh, you know, it's like, it's incredibly wet. Like, everything is just, like, completely soaked. We heard, yeah. Yeah, and, um, <laughs> of, of course, some, the butt cheeks, of course. And, uh, but I can still feel my phone somewhere. It's like, is my phone, like, is it, like, about to explode? It's so wet. But, like, it keeps beeping and keeps beeping after the second goal. I'm like, Jesus Christ, what the hell is happening here, you know? So, it's like, literally, everyone in my phone is like, oh, my God, the state of you. I'll tell it. So the game's not even over, and I know that this has happened, you know. And then, of course, the screen grabs start coming in. I'm like, Jesus Christ. So myself and Paul walk back to the car, and he's like, Paul, like, I'm getting destroyed here, like, absolutely destroyed. So I get back in, and I was like, geez, there must be a pair of, like, football boots or something in the boots. You know, like, there's football gear around. I could put, throw a pair of shorts on something. Absolutely nothing in the boot, except for my wife's dry robe. And I'm looking at this going, okay, jeez, well, I could take the T-shirt off, no problem. That's grand. Pop the dry robe on. I'm drying myself. This is unbelievable. Brilliant. So I sit into the car anyway, and I'm like, Jesus, this actually goes down quite close to the knees here. So I was like, and the jeans are like, absolutely. I'm like, fuck it, I'm doing it. So literally, this is pure Alan Partridge now. Literally drove home, completely had a pair of runners on, completely naked. The air con just like blasting its way. <laughs> absolutely nothing to stop it. All the way in. Dry robe on. I'm like you know what, I'm just definitely not going to break the speed limit here because <laughs> this could be an interesting conversation if I were to be pulled over by anyone. So. Then there was a time you were part of James Horn's management team, controversially with Mayo. Yeah, so from like, uh, that was, so the Roscommon game was 2021, so I went from uh, orange-flavoured condom to fat-necked fear gale. 
It's like, Jesus, I honestly wasn't a draining. Like, Jesus. In fairness, you're not the only one sitting on these couches who gets close to the action because we all know the real mastermind behind Dublin's All Ireland victory this year, don't we? It's Ken Early there. Yeah. <laughs> Literally dressed like a backroom member of yeah, Desi yeah. Farrell's team. He's just, he's, just, he's just sat there just whispering to Pat Gouroy, change it, Pat. Jesus, change it, will you? Something has to, something has to go here. You're happy yeah, enough, Ken, with that say? Yeah, we were, we were not in trouble. I think you can see the scoreline there. It was 20 points to 10 at the oh, time. Yeah. Listen, Murph, I want you to just tell us a little bit about Sean Brennan, the story, because this is... Oftentimes you get to the end of a book without doing too many spoilers, and they, they, kind of, they kind of fizzle out a lot, you know? This one, the last chapter is possibly the best. It's an amazing story. You spend time with this guy who's a club member of yours and has just this unbelievable story. Uh, yeah, so as briefly as I can tell it, um, I'd kind of, the first draft of it was kind of nearly done, but I, uh, we kind of went quite deep into the championship last year uh, with Sing Street, and so I, I wasn't going to move home on, and just like get two weeks on the book done until we'd been knocked out of the championship. So we got knocked out only in the middle of, of the start of October. And uh, I just said, okay, if it's all right with you guys, going to move back to Milltown and just try and get a first draft done. And so I was kind of w- cracking away with that. Um, and myself and dad took a break on the Thursday evening, I think, of the first week. And uh, dad was getting a Hall of Fame award from the club about two weeks after that. And so himself and the other Hall of Fame recipient, uh, John Waldron, and John's two, two of John's sons are actually here tonight uh, in the back there. And um, uh, the two of them were doing that like most Irish of things, basically. They were sitting down telling me about all of the people who deserved it more than they did, basically, you know. So, uh, and John Waldron was telling me about uh, his teammate, Sean Brennan. And so Sean was uh, an exceptional footballer with Jarlitz with the Galway Miners, uh, in 1963, he came on in the Iron Senior football semi-final against Kerry, a game that Galway won. Galway then lost the Iron Final to Dublin. Uh, but he was uh, trained to be a priest at the time in All Hallows uh, Seminary. So in 1964, the 18th of March, 1964, um, he was the set manager on a, a production of Macbeth that they were doing in the college. And um, he, they were dismantling the set the day after the show and... One of the lads said, how did you get the, the effect of the, the, the witch's cauldron at the start of Macbeth? And so Sean showed the, tried to show them how it worked. It didn't, ha- it didn't work the first time. The second time, there was a massive explosion. And he lost his arm, basically, kind of, just kind of halfway between his elbow and his wrist. And um, like he was given the last rites, and he was very, very close to death. And he went into the Matter Hospital, and they, they uh, kind of sutured the arm. And then he spent six weeks in the National Rehab Clinic in uh, Dunleary. And no one came to visit him for the six weeks uh, from All Hallows or from the, the Mataranth. So he was there for six weeks. He had, lo- he had lost two stone, uh, had a sh- huge lump of shrapnel in his neck that if it had gone five millimetres either way, he would have he died. Um, so he went back to um, Milltown that autumn. Uh, obviously, he had just a sh- like a, a physical wreck. And at the time that he was moving back in with his parents, he had left the seminary and left the priesthood, the idea of the priesthood behind him. His first cousin and his teammate from 12 months before, Noel Tierney, had won the first of Galway's three in a row, but had also been named Footballer of the Year that, like that, that winter. So it's his first cousin, his best friend, is an All-Ireland champion and literally Footballer of the Year while he's dealing with the loss of his arm. And so over the course of the winter, he decides, okay, I'm just going to see what I can do here. And so he basically trains himself to play with one arm. And uh, 
he sees a, a, there's a junior football game the following summer, 1965. He walks into the dressing room. None of his teammates say a word to him. None of his opponents that day or any other day ever broaches it with him at any stage. He, gets, he starts playing football. And he, he, if football basically saved his life. And he kind of said that to me himself. He said, once, once I could prove to myself I could go back playing football, what was to stop me getting married, getting a, you know, having kids, uh, getting a job, uh, like you know, progressing uh, in business and as a and just as a person, and so football saved him. We win our first county title in 1971. Sean Brennan is captain, and uh, you know, just just John. So John Waldron is telling me all this in the pub, and I kind of I knew bits and pieces of it, but John said to me, uh, "You know, I had to tie Sean Brennan's shoelaces before every game he ever played," and like just that detail, just kind of. It just blew my mind. Like, it literally blew my mind. And I remember saying it to Dad that night. It's like, someone has to tie his shoelaces, obviously, you know. But it was just, just like, I, so I'd spent, like, kind of the, that year writing the book. And as a reader, maybe you, you all end up reading it. And you kind of go on this journey. And you're, you kind of ask the question, what does it all shagging mean? Like, what does it all actually, what's it all about? And I couldn't really get away from that image of just someone have to, having to bend down and tie his shoelaces because that's, because he wanted to go out and play, you know. And um, this January, I went out to Sean's house. He lives about 15 miles away. And I had the chance to sit down and talk to him for a couple of hours. And I've uh, had a chance to sit down with him a couple of more times since. And he's the most, one of the most inspirational people I've ever met in my life. And he's going to be at it. So I have a launch in Milltown next week, next Thursday. He's going to be at it. Oh, brilliant. And it's, um, yeah, it's genuinely a life highlight to have, to have met the guy and talked to the guy. Yeah, like an inspiration, really, genuinely. And that's what it's, yeah. Just to jump in on that, so like what I love about that is like when, when, when John Waldron said to you, I had to tie his shoelaces for every game, like he's not saying I had to tie his shoelaces so old Sean could play a game. Yeah. He's saying I had to tie his shoelaces because we needed Sean to play a game. And that's the, the thing I like the most about you said like football saved his life because he to prove himself so he'd go back and play and contribute. Like that was, he, he, wasn't going, he wasn't going back for charity, like he was going back to play and to to win and to compete yeah. and that's probably something I found is that like nobody bats an eyelid and after a while it's one of the few things in life like that you know if I'm doing a bad job managing a team like I'm going to get sacked just the same as you know <laughs> someone on their two feet there's no charity there's no it's kind of like it's just this pure meritocracy yeah yeah that's such a great story and I think for a book like this as well just to unearth these stories that exist in the GA and just often haven't been told it. they're not told because they're not massively high profile you know, there's little things like that going on over all over the country. I think some of the stuff that, you know, more talked about is, is dad doing it underage. Like we had a, a man in cross as well, who, under 10, 12, 14, 16, 18. Like, imagine trying to do that today. Like you just, you wouldn't get the time, you know, but the, the people who volunteer, the people who put their time forward, that's why I was disgusted when Murph mentioned about inter-county managers getting paid. <laughs> Any comment on that, Ush? We're all volunteers at the end of the day. <laughs> um, but there's little stories like that, there's little nuggets like that, you know, about you know, how kids are looked after and you know, how they're brought into you know, mainstream and it's like it is a beautiful organization and and you know morph told that story really really well 
the big news this week, management-wise, is Mickey Hart taking over at Derry. You're now mixed reviews there. Murph seems to think he's kind of done low the disservice by essentially, wrong, essentially abandoning them mid midstream. What do you think? My father, my wife's from Louth, um, and so that makes me in Louth from Louth as well. Uh, That's how that works. Yeah, they, they are not happy. They're not happy with Mickey because three days ago he was a saint. He'd come in, he'd rescued loud football, but not only that, he was a man of the people. <laughs> no, not so much. He's still a man of the people, just of dairy people. <laughs> I, and you know what? You know, to make things worse for Mickey Hart, dairy people aren't that enamored about the whole thing either. Are they not, no? <laughs> Why not? Nobody has any idea. If there's, any, if there's anybody here from Derry or Tyrone, you'll have an idea, but nobody has any. People think Armagh, uh, Tyrone... Armagh down, uh, Fermanagh, Monaghan, uh, Monaghan Kerry Cork, any of that sort of thing. It, it doesn't put a patch on this. This is worse than Celtic and Rangers. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely worse. And Derry have been the doldrums for a long time, and now they have won overthrown. And they're afraid that somebody has come in. <laughs> Some man said to me the other day, genuinely, and he was 100% that this was right, that Tyrone had sent him in there <laughs> to take them down. <laughs> and could I convince him otherwise? Well, I didn't try, in fairness. <laughs> what he's probably going to do is take them to an All-Ireland, is he? He could possibly. Yeah. The stuff's there. There's a bit of stuff coming behind. Their underage has been phenomenal. Only after winning another... Uh, all Ireland at minor level, so yeah, they ha- they have the stuff and and look at Gavin Devlin is the is the big link between these two. He's he's managed Slock Neil before, so he knows McKeg, he knows Rogers, he knows uh, McGuigan, he knows all them lads. So and he's seen Derry football inside out. I mean, Mickey Hart at this stage, it's Gavin Devlin who's doing the you know the coach the majority of the coaching and that. So I think that's the link. Um, Isn't so, Gavin Devlin working with McKeg in a club job at the moment as well well that's a good one because Gavin Devlin is managing his own club in Jerome which is our bow and his coach is Chrissy McKeag the plot thickens on (laughs) lovely stuff but listen before we wrap things up tonight our world service members we well aware that last Friday the morning after our big tenure show at the Olympia Murph was off signing 2,000 copies of his book Yes, but even that wasn't enough to stop him from delivering Francis Murphy's Guide to the Weekend Sport on television yes. so you can be damn sure he's not going to let his actual book launch get in the way of this slot no pressure Murph but the woman herself is watching you like a hawk <laughs> good morning everyone I've loved watching City all year they were very good even though I'm a Liverpool supporter Hello to all the listeners of Second Captains at home and abroad. Thank you. What she just said there was, oh my God, what a photograph. I don't know if anyone else heard that, whether I was just a Jude to it. I was going to ask her, but I don't think she's going to come. Do you want to to help me? I don't think Francis will acquiesce to that. I don't want to put the poor woman under pressure. Murph? Oh, she's decided against us, yes. The uh, Solheim Cup begins tomorrow morning, Friday at 6.30am on Sky Sports Golf, and is on all weekend, of course. Argentina Samoa in the Rugby World Cup on RT2 and ITV at 4.45pm, and my beloved St. Pat's play Dundalk on Virgin Media 2 at 745 
On Saturday morning, Ireland play England in a one-day international at 10.30 on Sky Sports. That's cricket Ushin, of course. And then we have the Women's Nations League at 1pm. Ushin McConville, by the way, is a gigantic cricket fan. I don't know what you're laughing at. Uh, he, texts, like, he texts me about cricket more than about Gaelic. Are you watching this? What? No, it's South Africa against Australia in their fourth ODI international. Uh, that's before attention switches to Premier Owen McDevitt Sports 1, Man City against Nottingham Forest at 3pm. It's going to be a competitive one, that. Yeah, uh, Brentford Everton follows on Sky Sports at 5.30. Burnley Man United finishes today's football at 8pm on TNT Sport. The Rugby World Cup continues at its sedate pace. Georgia Portugal is at 1pm on Virgin Media 2 and ITV, followed by England Chile at 4.45pm on Virgin Media 1, with Ireland South Africa on RT2 at 8pm. Jimmy Wall is not allowed to respond to this, but I did text him last week and say, are you going to be watching Ireland-South Africa in the Rugby World Cup? And he replied, what's the Premier League game on at the same time? <laughs> and I said, Burnley Man United is like, good luck to the rugby. There's also... I might revise that in light of the last week or two. Yeah, well, maybe, just for your, uh, your own mental health. There's also live GA with Kilmacud Croaks against Ballymun Kickhams on RT2 at 4.45pm. Any Croaks fans in tonight? Anyone? No. Uh, Sunday then, it's the Japanese Grand Prix at 4.30am, if that's your bag. Sky Sports Action, uh, uh, yes, Arsenal Tottenham at 2, followed by Sheffield United Newcastle at 4.30pm. Live GA on TG Carr, Furban against Tullamore in the Offaly Football Final at 2pm, followed by Clonalara, Eero Og Ennis in the Clare Championship at 4.15. Uh, doesn't sound that glamorous, it'll be on in our house. Uh, <laughs> and the rugby then on Sunday, Scotland Tonga at 4.45, followed by Wales, Australia at 8pm. Anything you think I've left out there, ma'am? Thank you, ma'am. We're good. And got it all. <laughs> and we'll watch most of it, hopefully. Folks, thanks so much for coming along tonight. Thank you to everyone for listening and for your support of the World Service. Thanks to Ken and to Murph here. And thank to you, our two guests this evening energy. as well. Thank you. Everyone Owen. in the Sugar Club. It's been a while since you've been here, but it's always a top place to come. So thanks very much to everyone here. Any final words, Kieran? Uh, oh, well, not a, not a whole pile, but just uh, a massive thank you to Brendan Barrington. I've already mentioned my wonderful editor who just made this book better by asking me the right questions all the time. Michael McLaughlin, Cleena Lewis and everyone at Penguin. Uh, a big thank you to Ethan for taking all of your money tonight and to all the genuinely brilliant booksellers I've had the pleasure of meeting over the course of the last couple of months. They've all been brilliant to deal with. Thank you to my great friends who I get to call were colleagues, of course, to my wife Jill, who really has been the most extraordinary support through all this to my parents uh, to whom I dedicate the book and ma'am after my really lackluster leaving cert results I hope that the fact that I was able to give you this book is some payback for all of the books that you read to me before I could read myself and all the books you bought for me in my formative years and dad would not like me to think uh, that I'm painting him as someone exceptional in the book uh, because there are people like dad in clubs all over the all over the country but as a father he's exceptional so thank you guys and uh, thank, thanks to thanks so much to everyone who showed up tonight i mean i asked like a hundred people and a hundred people showed up thank you so much and to all the listeners all the second captain's listeners for coming tonight thanks so much for all your support uh your support of the world service gives us the time to do different things in our, li in our working lives, and we couldn't appreciate any more than we do. Uh, yeah, thanks everyone for showing up. Let's have a great night, and I'm going to be signing a few books. Yes, Murph will be doing the obligatory book signing down here in front of the stage. A round of applause, please, for Murph!
right. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's to persuade us of the world outside of that. That's why sport's important. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.